Lord, we worship you today, God. We glorify your holy name, Father. God, we come before you empty, O King of glory, looking you, God, to fill us, mighty King of glory, Lord. I say empty because, Lord, we, in our minds, I know that we've created what we think we need from you, Lord. But Jehovah God, you search our hearts, Lord, and you know exactly what we need, O God. When you look at us, Lord, you see emptiness, Lord. Vanities of vanities as we look for things to fill that gap and to fill our hearts, mighty King of glory, God. Only that you are gentle and a beautiful Lord, that the Jehovah God, you give us exactly what we need when we need it, Lord. So God, tonight, Father, we ask you that you may please cleanse us and forgive us our sins and our own misunderstanding of who you are, Lord. And help us, Lord, to hear your word, Lord. You, to hear from you, mighty King of glory, God. To quiet all the noise around us, mighty King of glory, God, and truly hear your word, Lord, so we can be transformed, Lord. Because Jehovah God, our desire is to draw near to you, Lord. Our desire, mighty King of glory, is to know you. So, Lord, we ask you that you may speak to us, Lord. That you may just be very personal to us, Lord. We worship you today, God. Pray that you may speak through me, mighty King of glory, God. Let's hear your word, O God. Move me out of the way, Father, and speak to your people, myself included, Lord. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So we are continuing with um, the book of Romans, and today we're going to start on chapter 11. I named the, um, the title 7,000. And for most guys, or even ladies, I know you guys have heard about the movie, The 300, right? Yeah. All right, two people. Well, you guys need to go watch it, okay? <laughs> so today we're going to be speak, talking slightly of a bigger number, 7,000. And my goal is by the time we leave here today, that when you think about 7,000, you're never going to look at 7,000 the same way. That any time you think about 7,000, it's going to bring you closer to what God is going to be speaking to us tonight. My goal is for us to examine ourselves as we, we read the text, and I'll read here, is there is a group of 7,000 people that God set apart for himself. And the question comes in my mind is, how do you get set apart that God says, I have kept the 7,000 to myself? So let's read it. So chapter 11, Israel then had cast, had, uh, Israel then had God cast away, oh, sorry. I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and the tribe of Benjamin. So this is Paul speaking. God has not cast away his, his people whom he foreknew. Or do you not know what the scripture says about Elijah? How he pleaded with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophet and torn down your altars, and alone I'm left, and they seek my life. But what does the divine response say to him? I love what he says. What does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed, bowed the knee to Baal. Even so then, at this, time, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And it's by grace then, it is no longer of work. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But it is of works. Um, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, works is, work is no longer work. What then? The Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect, the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just it's written, God has given them a spiritual stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears they should not hear to this very day. And David said, let their table become a snare, a trap, a stumbling block, and a recompense uh, to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do, uh, so they do not see and bow down their back always. 
So we are continuing. Okay, so we are continuing. Pastor Crystal preached last, uh, last Wednesday, and she talked about the Israelites, how the Israelites, they knew the word of God. They could worship anybody. That, in, in that, in that uh, time, time, they could worship anybody they want, but they couldn't say that uh, Jesus was Christ, Lord was Christ, right? So when Paul is talking, he's talking to a people that already know who God is. They, they have seen it. They know who God is. They have heard it. It's not something new. They know that they are the chosen tribe. They know that they have that favor. But the question is, are they taking that to heart or are they just taking it common? When I was looking at this Bible verse, and we'll talk about it, there's so many places we can go. We can talk about the Israel. We can talk about grace. We can talk about faith. We can talk about all those things. But what I felt the Lord was speaking is, as you heard, there was 7,000 people that God set apart. And I thought about it. Actually, the Bible says 7,000 men, but of course, men and women. But my thing is, as we end up going to Men Advance this weekend, it's a perfect time for us to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, can I be included in the 7,000? And if you cannot seriously answer that question, then it's a perfect time we've been given to be able to go away, spend time with God, and ask him, Lord, if I'm lacking, what is it that I'm lacking that I need? And if the Lord says, yes, you may be included, we don't get complacent like the Israelites did. We actually dig even deeper so we make sure that we never fall away from that. And for ladies, of course, we are not just men. I'm not just going to go out there and just do it. You guys are home, you know. And so it's time for you guys to take that moment to seek God for your husbands who have gone, your brothers who have gone, right? Your cousins, your relatives who have gone. And at the same time, ask God, as you reveal yourself to those men, please reveal yourself to me as well. Let me ask myself the same questions that we do. What an opportunity to see God and cry out to him so that if we are lacking something, that we may be able to get it. So in our reading today, Paul is speaking to the Israelites who know about God. Uh, they know that they are chosen generation, but then they just take uh, Christianity as just something that is so common. And I was thinking about it, it's so easy for us to point fingers and condemn those guys and say, how dare them? Like Christ came for them, he chose them, and then how can you not take what God has given you? But aren't we in the same place though? We are Christians, right? We stand up, I love what Pastor Matt said over the weekend, and uh, Mikhail said, talked about it, it's like we are so easy to say we are Christians, but what that does, does that really mean? If you went before God and said, I'm a Christian, and he said, can you define what that looks like for me? What would you say? What would I say? And as I go through this, I'm thinking and I'm searching my heart. So I'm like, Lord, yes, I say I'm a Christian. And do I really, am I devoted? That, that We were just talking about it with Simone as we drove here today. And it's, when you think about the gospel itself, because I was telling her, I'm nervous. You know, I'm always nervous before I come stand here. And she's like, why are you nervous, Dad? I'm like, honey, it's very simple. If somebody told me that you, this was life, uh, somebody took you hostage and said, this is life and death. This is life and death. I need you to write an essay about why I should save you. And this is life and death. Would I just wake up and just scribble a couple of notes? Or would I really diligently make sure that I looked at every aspect of it and literally not even, I even told her I was joking, I'm like, I'll take toothpicks and put them in my eyes so I can stay awake throughout the night if I have 24 hours so then I can tell them why you should be alive. But yet we have the gospel which is life and death, but we take it as a common thing. And I am guilty of the same too. 
we are like, I'm just going to look at a few things and, and I'm just going to read the Bible. I'm just going to pray a little bit and that's going to be enough. Yet God is saying, I took it very seriously. I sent my own son to come and die for you. Yet you want to take this as a common thing. And so when I look at the Israel here, it's like, yeah, man, how can you guys do it? But we are doing it the same day, every single time. Church attendance, I come in and I check the box. I pray and I check the box. I fast maybe here and there. Yet God sent his own son because of you, life and death. And we've been called to carry the gospel. So are we doing the same diligence when we see people who are going to hell? Or are we just being okay with that? Are you guys with me? It's easy, um, it's easy, so one of the commentaries said, the idea that men were sitting, feasting comfortably at the banquet, and their very sense of safety has become their ruin. They are so secure in their fancied safety that, that the enemy can come upon them and aware. The Jews of Paul's day were so secure in the idea of being chosen people that they, they were, the very idea of this being ruined them. And that's what happened. So they were so comfortable that we are the chosen generation. They were so comfortable. They just, like, nothing is going to happen. We have the Lord on our side. We are chosen generation. And I know that that's the same uh, aspect that we have as Christian. We are so comfortable. We are so comfortable. I'm so comfortable. I'm not just beating on you guys. Uh, this has been beating on me for a while, so I have no mercy tonight, okay? <laughs> but it's the reality of it. Like, we are so comfortable. We are so, how are we going to be chosen as the elect of Christ if we are that comfortable? Like the standard is, I sent my own son to come and die for you. That's the standard. Yeah. And if I'm going to choose somebody who's going to represent that, how am I going to choose me if I'm that comfortable? Right. I love what Paul says in Romans 11. 1. He says, has God rejected and disowned his people? And I love when he says, he says, absolutely not. Right? He's, 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 I love the question because it's like he, he actually asked the question and answered himself because I don't think there's anybody willing to ask that question. Right? And he says, certainly not. You see, it's so bad that it came to a point where the Israelites were, they had gone so far away from Christ that they're not blaming themselves. They are not seeing themselves in the light, but now they are blaming God. How many times have we been in that same place where we, 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 start re, we, we reject God, whatever he's giving us, and things are not going how they, the way we are supposed to go because we are not following Christ, and then at the end, we are blaming God for it. During this time, um, when you think about it, when Elijah was talking about it, he's talking about the same God in First Samuel 12 who showed undeniable love to the Israel. After the Israel had demanded before, God used to lead the Israel, but then at this point, the Israelites are being are demanding for a king. And instead of keeping God to be everything, in First Samuel 22, it says, For the Lord with whom you forsake his people, his great name, great name sake, because he, is, because he has pleased the Lord, let me read that again. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has not pleased the Lord to make his because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. If you read about that in Psalm 12, 22, the people are crying out and saying, No, we need a leader. We need somebody who's gonna guide us because God is like, I wanna be the one that's leading your life. I wanna be guiding you, right? But they say, No, 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 Lord. 
You know, I, I want this in order to fulfill my way. I want somebody who's going to tell me what to do, and they don't want to listen to Christ. And actually, when you read about that, it talks about, like, at that point, God was very angry, and it was time for harvest, and he rained hailstorm, and all the crops were destroyed. And, and the people are like, oh, my goodness, we're going to be destroyed. And then God says, no, I'm not going to destroy you no matter how you are, because I am a loving God, because, I, I, because, because it pleases the Lord to make his people. And I feel like that's what the Lord is telling us. Like, yes, I've seen you. Yes, I've seen myself go and do things and, that are apart from the Lord. I have gone away from the Lord. We have gone away from the Lord. Yes, it feels like we are doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, we are not pleasing the Lord because we are doing what we think we want to do. We try things on our own. We try things on our own, and when they don't work, then we feel like we are asking, like, the Israelites, have God, re- has God rejected us? Yes. And the only answer should be certainly not, because it is our own response that, that, that makes us know, not know what God is doing. Deuteronomy 3.16, it says, Be strong and of good courage, no fear, nor be afraid of the Lord, uh, afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1, 5, it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a sombering question because you think about it. We reject God. He sent his son. The Israel went back and forth. And I'm trying to, to not just point the fingers on our Israel because we are the present Israel. That's who we are. And even through all those things and the sacrifices that he made, God still says, No. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. So when things go the wrong way and we are trying to blame God, guess what? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He stays the same. The problem is not God. He is faithful and just. He is true to his word. The issue is, the issue is you and I. Isaiah 59 two says, But your iniquities have separated you from the Lord, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. Hebrews 10, 26, for if we sin willingly after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remain a sacrifice of sin. So God, it's not a problem with God. God hasn't left us, certainly he has not. It's we who have really severed that link between God and us, and that's Jesus Christ and, and doing the right thing. So Paul continued to support his response. Are you guys with me? Yeah. So Paul continues, to, uh, continues to, um, to support his response because he's saying, For I too am a Jew. I too have seen what God has done in my life. I too achieve sin and have seen God who has not forsaken me and will not. So Paul is talking to the Jews. He's saying, yes, I understand that you guys feel that God has forsaken you. I know that you feel that because God is not allowing you to the kingdom that you want and changing the things you want, he has forsaken you. But let me tell you something. God has, I too am a Jew, but God has not forsaken me. And I wonder if we can say that. The way we lead our life, the way we do things that we do, the way we we talk to people, the way we present ourselves, that when people are feeling like Christ has left them and he's no longer there, you're like, no, man, let me tell you something. I, too, am like one of you. I am a human being. I'm going through the same thing. But I can tell you, I know what God has done in my life. I know that God hasn't forsaken us because this is what he's done, because he's still graceful. 
First Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world, came into the world to save sinners for whom I'm the, I am chief. And that's Paul's saying. I love what he said. This is a faithful saying. Faithful meaning that it's been tested. Faithful meaning that he knows without any question, certainly not, that the Lord has deserted him. He knows that. And I wonder if we can say that in our life, that certainly the Lord has been good to us. And he, this is a faithful saying that, yes, Lord, you've gotten me from the place I was to where I am today. And I know you never change and you'll always be there for me. Paul is speaking from experience. As he has seen God in his life. Would you say that you've seen God in your life today? Yeah. Have you seen God in your life? Do you live like you've seen God in your life? Are, you behaving, are your expectations, are your prayers, do they seem like you've really seen God in your life? When people look at you, can they say, that man or that woman has seen God in their life? He continues to remind them of a story of Elijah in First Kings. And Elijah, in this story, I'm not going to read about it. Go read First Kings as your homework. Yes, 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 yes. 75% of you, yes, yes, okay. Elijah challenges the prophet of Baal, all 450 of them. He says, hey, we're going to do, we're going to build an altar. You guys, the Baal prophets are going to build an altar. I'm going to build an altar. We're going to put a calf on top of there. We're going to pray to the Lord. Our Lord, the Baal, are going to pray to the Lord of Baal, 450 of them. Elijah is going to pray to the God, the living God. And when fire, whoever God is going to send fire from heaven and come and literally consume the sacrifice, that's who we're going to say is a true God. And so in, in First King 18, they, they, they caught Baal from morning till past noon, cutting themselves with no response. And I want to pause there for a minute. This is, they are praying to an idol. They are cutting themselves. They are, they are yelling. They are doing all these things to a God who's just a carved pole. Right? Here's my question for you, and I had to ask myself that. Do I seek my God who's a living God the same way? I'm not saying cut yourself, but with the same energy. We, do I give? Because basically they were giving all that they could. Do we ever come to God like that? Do we ever come to God in a sense like, God, here I am. I'm not holding anything back. I'm going to seek your face until something happens. Or are we like, oh, poor people. They, I know that you know, that's not going to happen to them. But even the idol people who are worshiping idols, they have all these things they do. But then we as Christians, we've taken this so common that all we do is I'm going to wake up and do a little bit of prayer and then go my day and, you know, thank God for five minutes when I'm eating my lunch. And then when I'm done with that, I'm going to tell that God, thank you for the things that you did. And I'm going to blame him for everything else he hasn't done. And then in the evening, I'm going to tell him, thank you. Yet we expect him to move in our life. Yet he's looking at these people who do not even believe him. And he's seeing them cry out to him, cutting themselves from morning till evening. Till past noon, what if we as a church, we as a church, could pray that way? What if we as a church could seek God, don't cut yourself, but what if we could be on our knees? What if we could fast? What if we could pray to God? What if we could worship Him like they did? What would our life be? What would our community look like? What would our children look like? Our wives, our spouses, our husbands, our children, our generation, what would that look like? 
So they continue to call upon Baal and nothing happened. And Elijah says, okay, you guys are done. It's my turn. I love Elijah and I love the people of God. He says, come on, you know what? Dig a trench around the altar. He takes 12 buckets of water, four buckets for three times, and pours it on top of the sacrifice because he doesn't want to be, there to be any doubt that God is moving. He doesn't want any doubt. He doesn't say, oh, there was a spark from whatever. He says, there is nothing. And how many times in our life have we seen God resurrect things in our life that were fully dead? Right. You know, that's the God we serve. And Elijah prays and fire comes from heaven. And it literally consumes everything. The Bible says that it leaked the water from the ground. Right. Like it didn't stop there. Like God was making a statement. Like if you trust me. If you believe me, I'm going to do everything above, beyond, anything you can ever think or imagine. But you have to call upon me, and we have to be in a relationship for that to happen. Elijah then goes ahead and calls all the, uh, the people that he had for them to kill all the Bill prophets. And it's at this point that Elijah is speaking to God, and first, you know, Elijah uh, is threatened by Jezebel that he's going to be killed because he killed all the, the 450 um, prophets of Baal. And then it's at this point that Elijah runs away, and the angel comes, and God is speaking to Elijah in 1 Kings 19, 15 to 18. Then the Lord said to him, go return to your ways to the uh, wilderness of Damascus, and when your life anoint his uh, as king of Syria... Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nishmi, as king of Israel. And Elijah, the son of, and of Abel, Mahola, you shall anoint the prophet in your place. It shall be that, who, that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elijah will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all who, kneel, who knees have not bowed to bow, and even mouth has not kissed him. Let me paint a picture for you. 400, 400 Baal prophets. That means it was just crazy out there. They're just worshiping idol. Elijah, a man of God, is feeling like there's nobody else. He's the only one that's left. He's feeling like there's nobody else. There's nothing else left. And I know sometimes in our life we feel that way. We feel like, God, there is, you are nowhere. Where are you? I can't find you. And we feel like we've come to the end of the rope. And I can see Elijah saying now, either destroy everybody and kill me because there's nobody else for me. But God says, wait, you haven't seen my other hand. You've only seen what you can only see with your own eyes. He said, I have reserved 7,000 who have been very faithful. So Elijah is concerned that 450 Baal people, they are dead. And now God says, I can do better than 450. Can I be counted that when everybody in the world is telling us what we need to do and there is idol worshiping everywhere. Talk about it from TV to life to whatever the things that we, we idol worship is not just a carving. Right. We worship all these things and we think we are doing okay. Can I be counted as one when God is going through and saying, hey, I have set myself 7,000. Can I be counted as one of the 7,000? How do I get counted among these 7,000? My first point. To be counted among the 7,000, we must be close to God. I love what the Bible says, I have kept for myself. 
Has God, has God kept you? I have kept for myself. That God has set these people apart. That he didn't hide them. He doesn't say that he hid them somewhere. He says, I've kept them, meaning that his spirit is in them. That God is leading them. That they are, they are not oblivious to what's going on, but they are not affected by what they are going on because they have a king that they look up to. To be counted among the 7,000, we must be close to God. First Peter 13, 16. Therefore, guard up, your loins of your, guard up your loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former last, as in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it's written, be holy, for I am holy. I've had people say that you cannot be holy. But why would the Bible say be holy because I'm holy? If you're looking to be part of the 7,000, you have to be holy. And that means that you and Christ are the same in your heart. Like Pastor Mark says, little Christ, and you can go listen to the message so you don't take it in the wrong way. But it's like you are a Christian, you're Christ-like, meaning that you are holy. Everything you do, everything you think, anything that goes on in your life is bringing honor to Christ. Unless you are close to God in that sense, you cannot be counted among the 7,000. My second point, to be counted as 7,000, you must be willing to be alone and different. Our society is screaming with a big voice, conform or die, or you'll be an outcast. But the question is, are you willing to be alone and different? Are you willing to be alone and different? My wife, Eva, and I, we tell our girls that all the time. They're like, you guys, we, you guys think that we are in a crazy session here? This is nothing compared to what our kids are going to be going through. If you think it's bad right now and you're telling Jesus to come right now, yet he's saying I still have a way to go. Our kids are going to be going through way more than we've gone to. And if we do not prepare them to be alone and different, they are not going to survive. And what a pity, I, tell, I always talk about this, what a pity if I study as a pastor and I preach to all you fine-looking people, but then I go before God and I'm walking there and my wife is next to me, but then I look over and my kids are on the other side heading to hell. I have failed. We have to be willing to be alone and different, and it starts from us. We have to show them by example that we are willing to be alone and different. We don't have to conform to what the society is telling us. Just because people are doing this or it's all about self, 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 you can be different because you have been set apart by Christ to be different. The 7,000 did not compromise. They kept themselves pure. They had not bowed to Baal or kissed him. Romans 12, 2, it says, I do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renewing our mind. Allowing Christ to work in our mind. Our mind is our biggest enemy. Our mind is our biggest enemy. And if you do not submit your mind to Christ, doesn't matter what you do physically or outward, it's not going to do anything. But he gives us peace. 
He says, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And what does that look like? If you don't know what that looks like, go to Christ God. This Bible says that you can provide renewal of mind. How do I do this? Help me, Lord. I want a renewed mind. And he says, if you ask, he shall give you. You get no because you ask not. To be counted among the 7,000, we must remember where God has delivered us from. I'm sure if Paul lived in Elijah's time, he would have been, he'd have been considered one of the 7,000. Paul had a zeal. He had a zeal. And the zeal was not just a mind knowledge, but also a hard knowledge of what God has done for him. The Israel had forgotten the redemption, the sacrifice that God had done for them. And that's why they're saying God has rejected us because they have forgotten where God has gotten them from. Most of the time when I'm complaining about, you know, um, traffic is because I forgot about the time I used to pray for a car. We forget because we want us, 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 and we forget about what God has done for us. Most of the time when we are asking where God is because we forgot and where God found us. I'm saying, Lord, where are you? And I am a Christian and I'm talking to God and I'm, I'm spending time in church and I know his presence is there. Yet I forget and I say, God, where are you? And I forget where he got me from. And I'm confident that if he can get me from where he got me, I'm sure he's here. I'm the one who's not seeing him. Deuteronomy 6, 12, then be aware, at least you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. The sad part is that if we are not alert, we'll be like the Israelites and we'll be cast away. In Romans 11, 8, 10, it says, as the scriptures say, God has put into a deep sleep. To this day, he has shut their eyes so they do not see and closed their ears so they do not hear. Likewise, David said, let their bonefoot tables be a snare, a trap that makes them think all is well. Let their blessing cause them to stumble. Let them get what they deserve. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and let their backs be bent forward. See, God reserved the right to reveal himself to those he wishes. And he also reserved the right to withhold wisdom from others. The question is, if you are a child of God, he says he gives you God good things. See, when those who choose him, they become the children, they get the right to become the children of God. And those things we read in Romans 89 don't happen to you. But if we do not follow Christ, if we don't allow God to transform us, we get sheer to, the, to our desires. That's the point where God gives you over to your own desires. And that's a dangerous place. That's one of my prayers. God, don't ever please give me over to my own desires. Because the minute you're given over to your desires and God is no longer there, there is no barrier, man. You're going downhill real fast. And it might feel like you're doing well, but guess what? There will be a time when God says, but I prophesied, I prayed, I did all these things. Get away from me because I never knew you. And I'm like, Lord, where did that happen? And it says that moment where I give you over to your own desires. First John 3 says, see how very much our father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that's what we are. But the people who belong to the world don't recognize that he, we are the children of God because they do not know him. My last point is this. To be, conduct, to be counted as one of the 7,000, you must be born again. 
I love the story of uh, Nicodemus in John 3. He records of a story of a person who was a, ph- a Pharisee, and he was higher up there. He was actually a Jew council. So he was just, he had, he had stutter, and he, people looked at him, and so he had class. He had everything. He had power. He had all those things. But as he slow looked, and he saw Jesus doing miracles, and he could not deny what was going on. He could not deny, and so at the middle of the night, when nobody else could see him, he came to Jesus. And I love our God, because our God is not like, um, you know, uh, I see where you are. You should come during the day so people can see you actually repenting, right? No. He says, come as you are. I'm a gentle Lord. I'm here. I know it's night. I can't say I'm tired. Let's talk. What is it? And then Jesus goes to tell him, he says, he says, Rabbi, we know that you, he, he tells Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. He's not even a Christian, but he sees the sign of what God is doing. And that's us too. When we walk around, when we talk to people, people even who do not know Christ, they see that. They see the works of God in you if you're following Christ. And they're like, can you tell me what's going on with you? And John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if you want to be counted as one of the 7,000, you must be born again. Uh, Angie? Oh, actually, I just remembered. We are doing a video. Sorry. (laughs) Please hold as we are. So tonight, thank you for coming, though. I appreciate you. Tonight, actually, um, I'm going to give everybody a chance to respond. I think it's most of the time we hear the message, and yes, we call for people to come give their life to Christ, and we, and we do, we want you to come and give your life to Christ. That's, that's okay. Um, it's going to change your life. But what I want to do today is I'm going to play a song here. And when we play a song, it's going to be about five minutes the altar is going to be open for you. And if this message, in any sense, that you looked in your heart and realized that, man, if God came today and he's looking for 7,000 and I wouldn't be counted as one of them, this is a start today. It's a moment to come up here and pray and submit yourself to God and say, God, search my heart. If you are not sure, that means you are not. And if you feel that you've done well and you feel like, yes, you'll be part of the 7,000, Trust me, the Israelites felt confident. So come and tell God, God, I feel good and I'm here, but you know what? Keep me here. How do you keep me here, Lord? What do I need for you? What do I need in my life to be here? So as we start this song, I want you to just open your heart. Come over as we, um, I'll have everybody stand up. Um, And then go ahead and pray, Pastor Shelley. We'd like to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.